Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. You hear it every time you finish a meal and never feel anything. But if we were able to associate this sound with a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask? Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change your after-meal behaviour through brainwashing. Because food waste costs the average family $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. And $1,500 extra bucks is like getting a pay raise. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Which could pay for your child's braces. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Check out my braces. So when you hear this sound... Rethink your behaviour. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. What is good, everybody? And welcome to the World Sport Roundabout, the only show out there where we look at sports around the world and tell you what the sports are all about. Now, if you're wondering exactly why I decided to just play another one of these uh, theme songs that we have on the board and not the uh, theme song that I said I would last time, uh, partially it's because I left my iPod back at my apartment and thus I can't <laughs> necessarily play it here. But, I mean, frankly, this show doesn't need a theme song. We're a good enough show as it is right now. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to proceed with this show as it is in its awesome glory right now. Welcome, you guys, to another one of these episodes on this February 21st, 2022, the last week of February. I wonder how you guys are doing with the quarter and stuff like that. I mean, academically, I'm doing absolutely fine. It's just, like, certain habits have gotten pretty bad. Uh, definitely at my apartment, it kind of looks a little bit like a pigsty, uh, a very neat pigsty, I might say, but it's very clear that I hadn't cleaned in about a month and a half, uh, so hopefully this week I can get actually some cleaning done, but you guys don't care about exactly how, <laughs> how my exact quarter is going, uh, we have three, three or four more shows left in this quarter, I believe, doing the math, I think we did three full countries on their own, and then... Two, two, three. So we've done eight countries so far in six episodes, which I'm actually really happy with the uh, amount of pace that we have done. Or is it? Yeah, yeah, it's eight. It's eight. Definitely eight. I like I said in the last uh, last version of this. I think we can actually get through the Caribbean before the end of the quarter, and then maybe we kind of dip into the South the uh, South American countries by the end of the quarter. Um, I don't know when exactly we'll be, well, I should say, I don't know when I'm going to be doing this show next quarter. Uh, it might be Monday. It might be Wednesday. It might be Friday. I don't know exactly how we're going to do the uh, time slots next quarter, but whenever we do, we'll just continue on from where we are. And I'll try to let you guys know when I know. So that's great. But let's go ahead and get started because we need to get started. Uh, we're going to, it's another one of these three 
episode, three country things. Uh, we have Costa Rica, Panama, and Jamaica. Now, the only reason why I'm doing Costa Rica is I actually realized I skipped Costa Rica on the whole countries list, going down the line, stuff like that. So we need to go ahead and do Costa Rica, and let's just go ahead and start with that. Costa Rica is one of the smaller countries as well. It's not the smallest country. That would be El Salvador. But Costa Rica is a small country in themselves. I don't know if you guys did Spanish uh, back then. I talked about how I had to do like Spanish too and stuff like that. But uh, the one big confusion sometimes is just confusing Costa Rica with Puerto Rico. Uh, just because like Rica is in the name and stuff like that. Um, if you could probably guess like a lot of the Central American countries... Um, Football is pretty much the national sport in the country. Uh, it has a professional league called the Football de Primavera or uh, Liga Promesia for like sponsorship reasons. Um, I guess because football, the Primera Division, is also like the title for a lot of the uh, centralized leagues in the uh, Central American region. But uh, we'll just call it Prima Promesia. Promo Rica? Promo CR. <laughs> Gosh, I read it right the first time, and I don't know how I did it, but it's a top football league in Costa Rica. It was founded in 1921, which is actually one of the most, I think it's, well, it's not the oldest league, I don't think, but it's definitely the one that's had a little bit more uh, stability for sure. Um, there are 22 games in each of the seasons. They do an opening and closing season. Much like a lot of the Central American countries. They are fighting for the CONCACAF. Okay. I wrote it down this time, so let me just make sure. CONCACAF. The CONCACAF? CONCACAF. CONCACAF? It's the North, it's the North America thing where, you know, North and Central America essentially play it out in a tournament. They play in their championship league. Now, from what I understand about the Champions League, it's, this is this is kind of like the club version of uh, what is this? It's the Euro. It's not the Euros. It's called the um, it's called the uh, UEFA Champions League. If you're aware of the UEFA Championships leagues, the uh, champion Champion League is essentially the UEFA equivalent for North America, and apparently they've changed up their format somewhat recently. Um, so these teams in Costa Rica are actually playing for spots in the Champion League. If you are a double tournament winner, meaning that you won the opening and closing tournaments that are held at the very end of each particular year, uh, you used to go straight to the second round, which is considered the Champions League. That's where you, and I think they say like 31 other teams, so it's a 32 knockout kind of tournament. Now, if you are a... If you win one of those tournaments or how do I word it? How do exactly do I word this? If there are two different championship winners and it goes straight to aggregate, uh, because of course you're playing 22 games, you're playing 44 games this season. And so if you, I'm try, again, I'm trying to word this correctly. The team was the best aggregate re- team with the best record for both seasons move on to Champion League, then the next best team, if they aren't a championship team, even if they aren't a championship team, moves on. And then the best team 
goes on. I don't know. It's kind of confusing because, like, the way it was written, too, it sounded like also that, like, the champion also, like, the team was the best record and won a championship, moves on to the Champions League. But then the next other champion moves on to the to the league. There's a Champions League and there's a CONCACAF League. So one moves to champion, one moves to CONCACAF. I, I think we'll just leave it. We'll just move on because I'm going to get myself confused with uh, what's this. Costa Rica is the only Central American nation to have played in four FIFA World Cups. I don't know the other three. I'm sure I could find it if I absolutely wanted to. But the one I want to talk about is 2014. Because 2014 is actually like... South America... What was South America? South America was 2010. And then it was Brazil. And then it was Russia. Okay, I was about to say South America was the first one... Uh, South Africa was the first one I ever like. Actually, no, that wasn't that wouldn't be true because it's the first one I remember is 2006. But 2014, I remember this particular run for Costa Rica. Um, they went to Brazil. They weren't seen as a particular favorite, especially in the field with uh, Uruguay, with England, and with Italy. But for some odd reason, they beat Uruguay 3-1. They beat Italy 1-0, and then they tied England. So that's two wins and one tie. And I don't know, remember exactly how they did for the rest, how they did compared to everyone else, but it was good enough to get them to the round of 16. And I do remember this particular moment because they faced off against Greece and they tied 1-1. And I remember the penalty kicks because I remember where I was too. I remember I was in Atlantic City. I was visiting my aunt and I want to say her like, her daughter's daughter's boyfriend. I don't know how. I don't think she was married, but like, it was some weird family connection and stuff like that. Uh, in any case, uh, we were watching the game, and he was like, "Yo, I think Costa Rica's gonna win." And I'm like, "I don't think. I, I mean, I guess I'm going to be shocked if Costa Rica wins, but I mean, I don't know because I mean, you're getting penalty kicks. Penalty kicks is kind of like a." odd little crap shit and stuff like that and yet they did they won the round of penalty kicks i believe they won on the very last one i believe you go five i think they won five to four i don't remember exactly the order of how things go but i do remember the game just specifically because of who i was with that particular day um oh and yeah and then they did it again and then they went to penalty kicks the next round against argentina and that was also one that i wanted to was my, was my aunt's daughter's daughter's boyfriend. And we watched that one. And I was confident. I was like, yo, Costa Rica won last time in penalty kicks. They're going to win it this time. And then they didn't. And then Argentina went on to the semis. And then went to the finals where they lost to the Netherlands. Huh. I don't remember that. I, I want to make sure before I just say random stuff off the top of my head. Uh, they lost to Germany. So, I mean, I was close. The Netherlands wasn't a third-place game. They beat Brazil. But okay. Interesting, and I just kind of looked this up, too. Uh, Argentina then went and did penalties against the Netherlands the next round. Um, but that could have been an upset. It would have been really interesting to see the Netherlands versus uh, Costa Rica in any sort of tournament. 
but that was their uh, Cinderella run. Uh, apparently, I don't think they made it in 2018. So, Costa Rica has held two ISA World Surfing Games, a tournament held by the International Surfing Association or the ISA, uh, which is the recognized organization from the uh, Olympic or International Olympic Committee. It's one of the ways that you could definitely get into the Olympics for surfing, especially because surfing, I believe, I'm almost certain it's an Olympic event. It's only just recently been an Olympic event. But um, it's one of the ways that you could do it. Like, there is the, uh, the surf tour that you could actually win, and you could earn some spots there. But winning these surfing game, world surfing games definitely gets you. It's another way you can qualify. I believe it's, like, two. Two each, so like two men, two women can actually like qualify through winning the World Surfing Games. They have bullfighting. Um, they you know they have traditional bullfighting. Uh, what do you call it? Bullfighting matches, and where you know you have a matador and stuff like that. But more commonly in Costa Rica, or at least based on what I could find, uh, they have something called uh, Gordias de Toros. Which literally translates to running from the bulls. <laughs> so you'll find, apparently, uh... <laughs> oh, I, I love this. So they're held at, like, festivals and carnivals. And show, you know, kind of like, uh... Kind of like Mexico, where they had those, uh, ro like, mini rodeos. Like, traditional rodeo farmhanding things. Uh, I do not remember the name, and I'm not going to go back on this document and tell you exactly what it is. <laughs> But, um, they're generally held from, like, the festival season in, like, December through, uh, February. And the peop they're your average people like me and you, they're running with bulls, because, I mean, that's probably the most equivalent to, like, what I'm talking about. Um, so it's kind of like, you're going in there, uh, you're probably a little bit drunk, um, uh, and... You're testing your bravery, your athletic prowess, I guess your 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 manhood and stuff like that. Um, except instead of running to bulls, like you're running down the street, you're trying to run down the street away from the bull. You're in a bull ring and you're trying to like avoid people. You're trying to avoid these bulls, and you're in a big ring with a whole bunch of other men too. So like, it's just definitely a very like I don't know why people would do that. According to this, it says, like, these bull-chasing brave or foolhardy participants run around the ring, often injuring themselves. Uh, these men, off, usually young, often drunk, test their bravery, athletic prowess, and machinimo. So, I mean, clearly these men are on, uh, on some definite spirit, I guess. Let's see. They have competed in every single summer games at 1956, often in uh, soccer or football again. Swimming is is probably their most successful um, sport in terms of these summer games. Granted, when I say that, I mean like as a history, I don't think they've done anything really big recently, but... For such a small station that like that's actually really good. Um, Claudia Pol Arenas 
uh, won Costa Rica's first gold medal in 1996 in the 200-meter freestyle. And then they have won four medals between Arenas and Sylvia Pohl. So, I'm, I'm assuming that's, like, since 1996. Yes. 1996 would be Atlanta. 2000 would be Sydney. 2004 would be Athens. 2008 would be Beijing. So I would assume it's probably Atlanta, uh, Athens, and Sydney, that kind of range. Because most most uh, athletes generally get to do most good ones at least get to do two, three, maybe four. It's rare that you see people push push three. Uh, sometimes you'll see them do four. Rarely do you see them do five. I think there's only like a cup handful of Olympians have ever done more than five. I I want to really talk about the one gymnast from like I think Ukraine that's been to like seven, but um I'm not going to. Um, Costa Rica has also participated in a handful of Winter Olympics since the 1980s, though I cannot find um, any sort of information about which ones they've been to or who they've sent. I'm going to assume, though, that just because of, like, Central America, like, this information I can find about Winter Olympics, it's probably cross-skiing. They probably uh, represented another country, and then through uh, heritage ties, they probably competed in cross-skiing. Uh, cross that's, that's my guess, at least. Other notable sports uh, that Costa Rica is known for, fishing, golf, Marathons, triathlons, which actually, honestly, might be, that might be a lot where they participate in, too. It's like marathon running, because um, I did see a couple of events that they are really known for in terms of marathon running. Uh, cycling and mountain biking, which, again, is another one. It's, there's apparently this one big uh, biking tournament down in Las Diaz. Uh, or maybe it is called Las Diaz, or Tra Diaz, or La Trias. I don't remember exactly the term, but I do remember that was one of the things I noted, too. Skateboarding, basketball, and tennis. And that covers A to Z sport in Costa Rica. And we're going to take a short break, and we'll return. We're going to talk about Panama, the country that I thought we were actually going to start off with today. So stay tuned. Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin. And deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. I'm a champion, real-life Shaq's mechanism. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hi, Shaquille O'Neal for Rad. 
It's not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're gonna go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to World Sports Roundabout. We're in the second period of our show, Down One Country. And so now we're going to talk about Panama. Panama is an interesting country. It's right, It's essentially the, uh, the bridge between Central and South America. I guess that's pretty much it. Uh, there, I mean, there's a little region in... I think, like, Panama as well, that, like, it's the big reason why we can't have, like, a road between uh, Canada and South America. But that's a, that's a discussion that you can find on the internet because hey, they can probably explain the situation a lot better than I can. <laughs> so, Panama. Uh, unlike a lot of the Central American countries uh, that we've spoke about although not they're not the only ones that doesn't have this um baseball is essentially their national sport they're influenced a lot of their sports are influenced by their just relationship with the u.s remember the panama canal happens to be in panama come on guys you gotta gotta step it up there you go in any case uh they have the Panama national team as a highly ranked baseball team in the world. Granted, I don't know. <laughs> they do have some great players. I, I will talk about some of those in just a little bit. Um, I don't know how they compare to teams like Costa Rica, um, Cuba, Venezuela, and countries like that. I'm just basing them, but I do know that like they do compete in like the Caribbean Classic or the Caribbean Series. They have won the Caribbean series before. Um, so they probably are on par with those teams. It's probably like one of those situations in where like, you know, every so often you'll see Panama in there. Yeah. Uh, some of the players that you might have not known uh, were Panama born. Uh, Rod Carew. You know, the Rod Carew, the one with the funky stance. Uh 1967 Rookie of the Year, a seven-time batting champion, 18-time All-Star, uh, the 1977 MVP, over 3,000 hits, over a 300 average, was a 328 batting average, a first ballot Hall of Famer, has his has his jersey nah, has his jersey retired by uh, two teams, the Minnesota Twins and the then Los Angeles and the then California Angels, now. Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim. They might have actually dropped the Anaheim of Anaheim moniker at the end, but uh, yeah, he's a he's he's a legend. A lot of there's a decent amount of stadiums. Actually, like the largest stadium is actually named after him. Cause he was like the first. I don't know if he was. I don't think he was the first Panama first first Panama Panamanian Panamanian. I don't know if he was the first Panamanian to actually, like, make the major leagues. He was just the first, like, star. He was the first star to ever, like, succeed in the major leagues. Another one, Mariano Rivera. Uh, winner of eight different uh, 
reliever of the year awards. Um, there he's won like five of one and then three of the other. They're essentially like the same award because I, I don't know why they like specified like two different awards. And like the thing is, it's like it wasn't just like they had one reliever to award and then they moved on to the other and they just called it different differently. They were running at the same time. I don't get it, but he's won eight of those the different variety of reliever of the year awards. He's actually named now for the top reliever awards in the AL. He's won five World Series. He's a 13-time All-Star. Led the league in saves three different times. Has the most saves of all time was five, 652. The most overrated unanimous Hall of Famer. I just think it was Ken Griffey. I don't think he should have been the first one. I think he should have been a Hall of Famer. I'm not about to take that away from him. I just don't think he should have been the first unanimous Hall of Famer. I don't even really think he should have been unanimous, but Ken Griffey really should have been the first unanimous Hall of Famer. That's just my personal opinion, and that's how we're going to leave it on this show because it's not a baseball show. And he's the last number 42, was the last active player to wear the number 42 before he was retired in 1996. And now that he's retired, no one else can wear 42 except for on Jackie Robinson Day. And most importantly, the most important Pan Panama Panama Panamanian? Panamanian. All right, I guess I'll say it like I'm saying Panamania, but Panamanian player of all time, Bruce Chen. Who is Bruce Chen, you may ask? Oh, I I absolutely love Bruce Chen. I only remember Bruce Chen because uh, my favorite baseball game of all time is MLB Power Pros. Uh, it's way back in 2006, and like Bruce Chen was like one of the few characters I could get this like hothead animation. Apparently, he gets so angry on the mound. But he was this pitcher. Uh, he pitched for the Braves, the Phillies, the Mets, the Expos. When they were the Expos, not the Nationals, mind you. Uh, the Reds, the Astros, the Boston Red Sox, the Baltimore Orioles, which is how I remember him most, was the uh, Drew to Baltimore Orioles. Uh, the Texas Rangers, the Kansas City Royals, where I remember him last, and then the Cleveland Indians played for him. 98 to 2015, left-handed thrower uh, who threw over a thousand strikeouts. One who is China has Chinese heritage, but was born in Panama, uh, mostly because his parents actually immigrated to Panama during the Chinese Civil War. Uh, he competed for Panama. He's also competed for uh, China as well. He's he's an interesting dude. That that's all I'm trying to say. That that's kind of why I have him. On the list, kind of weird, just like I wrote down Bruce, his like full name, and then like put an exclamation part. I wasn't like, yeah, we need to talk about this. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Panama definitely, 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 definitely loves baseball. Um, they have a professional baseball league, um, the Panamanian Professional Baseball League or Probus. Uh, Probus, I'm guessing, is the what so technically the league only lasted from 1948 to 1972. And then uh, MLB actually tried to bring the league back through, like, one of their executives. But then, like, they just didn't plan it right, so it only lasted a year. 
And I guess the purpose name just kind of stuck around because when they brought it back in 2011, then that's the name they decided to go by, which was Provis. Now, I couldn't find any sort of, like, information specifically about the league itself. What I was able to find was that the only reason why they're in the Caribbean series is strictly because in 2019, due to unrest in Venezuela, where the series was supposed to be held that year, the series was actually moved to Panama. So the sixth team, which was the Panama Professional League, was added to the tournament as just kind of like a, a gesture of goodwill. And then they will, and then the team that represented Panama, uh, Torres de Herrera, uh, essentially won the tournament. And so, believe it or not, they actually Panama used to be part of the Caribbean series, but once the league closed down, they were taken out and replaced by another country, either something like Cuba or Puerto Rico, or another Dominican Republic team, or something like that. Um, but they're the only they're only a second team ever to win the Caribbean series. And because of the win, uh it reinstated them into the tournament. So now they're officially the sixth team added to the Caribbean series. So it's a very interesting story. Love to hear that like they actually managed to like restore their like restore some history, uh not only by winning the tournament, but also re uh re being Re, by being part of the Caribbean series again, I guess is the way I'm trying to try to say it. Yeah, but uh, other than that, I can't find any, for some odd reason, I can't find anything about the Caribbean League, other, or the uh, Panama Professional League, other than the fact that it was, that it exists, and it's history like that. I'm assuming it's going to run like other winter leagues in that area as well. Just, you know, they run through, uh, November through maybe like January or December, depending on where you are. And then they have a small tournament and then the team that wins moves on. They only have four teams, so I'm guessing that's probably uh, how they operate anyways. But um, that's enough about baseball because I could talk about baseball all day. They're not football crazy. Um, they did actually... They did make the World Cup in 2018. Um, if you kind of remember, uh, we lost to Trinidad and Tobago uh, in 2017, I think. I think that was the year of the collapse because we definitely didn't do that, do make the 2018 Cup. Um, but one of the conditions is like Costa Rica had to lose to Mexico. And then, like, Panama had to lose as well. And neither of those things happened. And then Panama, just by, like, virtue of the U.S. losing, actually took second place. And they made it to the World Cup in 2018 in Russia. Uh, they didn't win the game. They did score uh, three goals. No, they scored two goals. Two goals, I'm sorry. They scored two goals, um, but they didn't win any games within the... Uh, Within the tournament. So. That's something. Uh, the national team is actually called. Uh, Red Tide. Or. Uh, Re Miara Roja. Miara Roja. 
Yeah, Roja. I'm uh, that's what I think it's actually listed as. They have a they like basketball as well. Um, it's gaining popularity nowadays. Uh, they have a all star who was born in Panama. Uh, Ronaldo Antonio Blackman spent most of his all star career with the Dallas Mavericks. I'm trying to see if there's any other like stats. He went from like 81 to 92, so 11 years, and then played two years with the Knicks. Uh, so yeah, he was a four times All Star from 85 to 87, and then one more time in 90, and then he has his jersey retired by the Dallas Mavericks. So yeah, I mean, good for him. I'm really glad he got his jersey retired. It's one of the biggest. Uh, Honors that you could have by a team. So we'll we'll talk about the Olympics teams. Um, well, actually, no. Why don't we not talk about the Olympics teams? Why don't we talk about boxing? Why don't we talk about boxing first? Uh, one of the Panamas, or I guess a Panamanian pride, is just like how successful they are in boxing. They have, okay, so this article was outdated, but they had, at the time of the article being written, um, two reigning boxing champions, um, Guillermo Jones, who was the World Boxing Association's champion in cruiserweight up until 2012, well, for four years, essentially, uh, 2008 to 2012, and then, uh, Lismo Marino actually got his title upgraded uh, as the WBA bantamweight. I want to like make sure, but I believe that's particularly because he held his title for essentially eight years. And that's like, it's the way that all the boxing organizations essentially recognize that like, hey, this is the true... This is a true champion for, like, the whole uh, class of this particular class. Essentially, it opens up opportunities for the boxer, too, to, like, face boxers and other, like, associations and stuff like that. At least that's what I'm guessing, because that's the only way that makes sense. But it was um, from 2008 to 2014, uh, this guy was the WBA bantamweight title holder. So... And then they have other uh, prominent boxers that are in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Estuvo Perosa, Rosa, Roberto Duran, Ismael Lugana, and uh, Panama Al Al. What did I just say? Panama Al Brown uh, are members of the International Boxing Hall of Fame, as I said before. Um, Panama has gone to the Olympics several times. Um, they actually only won their first gold in the 2008 Beijing Olympics, uh, becoming uh, Irvin Saldino, actually, was the Panama's first ever Olympic gold medalist to this date. There, he's the only one that's won a gold medal in the Summer Games. He did it during the long jump in 2008. Uh, and Panama actually competes in the uh, Bolivian Games. 
Bolivarian, Bolivarian, Bolivarian. Those games. Uh, a multi-sport competition involving athletes from Bolivia, Chile, Colombia, Ecuador, Panama, Peru, and Venezuela. I actually said that all very smooth. I'm really happy with myself. But uh, it's essentially like a whole bunch of minus like um, equestrian sports and actual sports on the track uh, and a good number of field athletics like uh, like don't do uh, shot put or javelin throws or uh, shot put, javelin, hammer throws and stuff like that. And they don't do anything with like on the track with hurdles. But they will do um, things like they will swim. No, actually, they don't swim. They don't swim. They don't swim, but they will do a whole bunch of other, like, Olympic game-like activities. Such as, like, judo, which is only, I don't think it's been recently, but I, I think, actually, I think it has been, like, rather recent that judo was an Olympic sport. Um, they'll do things like baseball. They'll have softball as well. Um... BMX, uh, biking, those those kind of things. Think of the Olympic Games, but just to track um, track events, a good majority of field events, and swimming. But yeah, it's this pretty good game. I couldn't find any information about like victories and stuff like that, so you'll just have to kind of close your eyes and imagine um, what those <laughs> how Panama did in the Bolivian. Bolivarian games. I, I want to call it the Bolivia games, but that's not would be correct. And that, my friends, actually concludes Central America. We have covered every single country considered Central America. So the next countries that we'll be talking about are the Caribbean. And the Caribbean is actually a little bit, at least for me, it's a little bit harder to define because some of the quote-unquote Caribbean countries or countries that would compete in the like, Caribbean Cups are actually like right on the edge of South America. But um we're gonna take care of like the definitive uh Caribbean countries within the next couple of episodes and then we'll kind of we'll kind of see uh, where we at because we might just kinda like go around the whole thing and cover some of the countries in uh kind of that South America Caribbean kind of line. But uh why don't we take a break? Because we have one more country to talk about today. And uh, when we return, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the land of Bob Marley. <laughs> I don't know anything else about Jamaica other than that and uh, their track events, but stay tuned. We'll be back. One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. 
Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Bet he can't say that in reverse. Whoa, long time no see. It's me, the rock t-shirt in the back of your closet. Dude, remember? You crowd surfed in me, man. But you haven't worn me in like forever. I get it, you're retired, but I still got some rock left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the last period of the World Sports Roundabout. We're going to talk about the first Caribbean country that we could do, or uh, I guess the closest in relation to the last country that we just talked about, would be Jamaica. Jamaica, Jamaica. I've actually been to Jamaica twice, I think. I remember once for sure. I don't remember the second one, but I, I, I do remember going there. No. No, yeah, no, we've been there once. I've been there once for sure. I think we've been there twice, but like, you know, family takes a lot of uh, cruise ships and they stop at ports in like Jamaica and stuff like that. Um, very interesting country if you get the chance to uh, go to. Uh, I guess a lot of the, <laughs> I don't want to be mean, a lot of the islands kind of blend together. So like there are details that I don't want to say a thing and then say like oh uh no like that's not what happened but like oh god i, I don't have any particular memories because i was just so young i just remember being there I, I remember specifically and i guess i'll tell a story because there isn't a lot to talk about with jamaica in terms of sport but uh, i guess i'll tell the story too uh when i was young uh we were supposed to go in the submarine and for some reason we could not find my mother she, she got off the boat with us. She wanted to go to the shops, and we just could not find her. And then she got lost herself, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And then we were we were pressing for time. I think we had about, like, 15 minutes, but, like, technically we were supposed to be on by now so that they could go ahead and get started so that they would be on time for, like, you know, other, other guests and stuff like that. And then she finally, some guy was walking with her, and they finally found, we finally found her, and we finally got on the ship. And we've kind of picked fun at her for that, and she she was talking about uh, how worried she was about uh, getting kidnapped in Jamaica. Oh, boy. But uh, it, it is fine. It's, it's totally fine. Uh, I say it's totally fine. It's not fine. It, if my mother got kidnapped, I probably would have lost my mind at that point of my life. Uh, but we've all kind of been like, oddly lost around the island so or like islands and stuff like that or like in situations where like there was a chance that we might not make it home so uh yeah uh that's it for my personal stories let's just go move on straight ahead to da -da 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 -da. jamaica that's the country that i was thinking of gosh I was like, Pan I was like, Panama. And I was like, no, that's not it. It's not Panama. It's, it's Jamaica. Jamaica. So, obviously, if you know anything about Jamaican athletics, then you know that track and field is essentially their bread and butter. Uh, they have some of the greatest sprinters in history, honestly. Uh, you know, 
Asifa Powell was essentially like the former top number one uh, 100 meter sprinter until uh, uh, Usain Bolt came around. Uh, he's actually like, he is the one of the few in terms of Olympic history, in, or I'm talking, I'm strictly talking about Usain Bolt in this. He's one of the few members of the triple double club. Uh, which means that he is the only, he won, I'm trying to remember exactly which Olympic Games he was part of. He won gold in the 100 and 200 in Beijing. And then he won it again in London. And then he did it again in Rio. So he retained his gold medal through three different Olympic Games is what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, Asifa Powell, uh, also held the former, um, held the 100 meter record for a while. Um, Johan Blake also like was a silver medalist in those London games as well. Um, those, those three were part of like, uh, a group that broke the 4 by 100 record three times in a span of four years. Um, they did it in the Beijing Games. They did it in the IAAF. I think that's what I said it's quick. The IAAF World Athletic Championships, and then they did it again in London. Uh, they are the only group thus far that has actually had a time less than uh, 37 seconds. They did it in London at uh, 36.84. And they did it clean. How rare is it to say, like, they broke, like, this person broke a record and they did it clean in the Olympics. That's just how good the Jamaicans are at running. They have a very strong high school athletics program as well, uh, especially in terms of track. Uh, they compete in the inter-secondary schools, boys and girls championships. It's essentially state, like state championships for Americans, except like in Jamaica, they call it secondary schools instead of like high schools and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, no, like Jamaica is really good in terms of like track events and stuff like that. Uh, there are other things, of course, about Jamaica and stuff like that um, that they do, but well, which I mean we're get, about to get into right now. So I mean, Jamaica is a very popular sport in Jamaica as well. Um, realize that historically, like Jamaica was part of those British uh, was in British hands until. Like they, until the 20th century, really. I don't know exactly when. I think it was relatively around the same time they gave up a lot of their territories. So, like, around a time, at, like, maybe not the first world war, but like maybe around the time of like the second world war. I don't know if it was before or after, personally. I, I'd love to know specifically, but like, so a lot of these sports are based kind of on the fact that like Jamaica was British owned. So then, like, they would also adapt cricket. Uh, Jamaica has won the original four-day championships 
uh, sometimes known as the Shell Shield, and sometimes known as the uh, Kribi Beer Cup 10 times. Uh, that's essentially the, I guess if you heard the Kribi Beer Cup, that would essentially mean like a lot of the Caribbean teams that participate in cricket um, participate in the regional four-day competitions. They've won it seven times, uh, most recently in 2013, and they've won seven Super 50 Cups, or sometimes known as the KFC Cups, or sometimes known as the uh, WICB Cup, or sometimes known as the Regional Super 50 Cup, or sometimes known as the Najiko Regional Super 50 Cup. Uh, they've won it seven times, although they haven't won it within the past 15 years. So, take that as you will. They also have some members just because... Um, of the fact that, like, some of their members, when Jamaica got their independence, were, like, I don't know how exactly, like, citizenship kind of works, but, like, they were in Jamaica, but they qualified for, like, Britishship. So they, and, like, the West Indies are technically, like, considered, like, the mix between, like, Caribbean and British. Uh, at least that's what I've kind of understood it as. So, like, they have some members that live in Jamaica that consider themselves Jamaican on the... West Indies national team and they have those West Indies national team members have won a World Cup of Cricket championship in 73 and 75. Uh, and again, the Jamaican team is also made up of some like UK members as well that like has heritage and ties to Jamaica. So they also have a national team as well. They do do football in Jamaica. Um, their top league is the Red Stripe Premier League. Red Stripe is a alcohol. I think it's an alcohol. You know, I've seen the commercials for Red Stripe, so I know it's a beverage. But, like, I don't know if it's alcohol or not. It is alcohol. It's a pale lager. It is a pale lager. Uh, it's brewed in the Netherlands. Hmm. I've known what Red Stripe is because I've seen commercials for Red Stripe. So I, I know what Red Stripe is. I know it, it's a, some sort of liquid that you consume, I guess. But I never knew exactly what it was exactly. Um, but it is the top football league in Jamaica. Founded in 73. It has 12 teams currently. It runs through August through May. Uh, but it doesn't... Oh, it's one of the few leagues. Uh, I say it's one of the few leagues, but I forget that I'm not in Central America. But uh, I guess for it's a great relief of pace because this it's the first one in a while where it doesn't have an opening and closing tournament. It runs essentially through August through May, uh, coinciding with like somewhat with the FIFA calendar. It's one single table, and they're competing in three stages each after 11 games after the third stage which is 33 matches and the season is essentially 33 matches so you play 33 matches and then you move on to the fourth round and then the top six teams says okay says there's 12 teams they split off into two excuse me um the top six teams uh are fighting for playoffs and then the bottom 16 are fighting for regulation. 
in terms, I can only really speak on the top, uh, the top six. So essentially, like they play in a tournament style for the last six. So like three versus six, and then uh, four versus five, and then they play a uh, home and away, and then whoever wins on aggregate moves on to play one and two, and then they play, and then they determine the championship, and whoever wins that uh, moves on to the uh cfu cup which i'll talk about in a minute the bottom six team fight for regulation they'll play matches as normally uh i guess kind of like a round robin but the bottom two teams uh then they get reg uh they get regulated to uh second division and then they get replaced by the two top two in the next round or the next level you, you know what i mean essentially now, in regards to the CFU Cup, or CFU Club Championship, it's a regional club tournament held in the spring um, that hells like, again, a lot of the Caribbean countries that aren't, like, I guess, the Dominican Republic and stuff like that. Um, they fight for a spot in the uh, CONCACAF uh, Championships and the CONCACAF League. The only way that teams can actually qualify that through the uh, CFU Club Cup um, is by having a top four finish. With that being said, this year's iteration of the CFU Cup will actually be the last version of the CFU Cup. Just because of the expansion of the Championship League in 2023-2024. So instead, uh, they're actually going to make a the Caribbean Cup uh, as the qualifier of the the qualifier for teams out of the Caribbean, uh, and the I guess the champions will just kind of move straight into the uh, to the Champions League, and then you'll have the Concacaf League. And I guess instead of having the club, instead of having the CFU Cup, can determine the. It's confusing. I don't really understand this whole CFU the Concacaf Championships or Concacaf League thing. It wasn't really. I I understand it to a sense, but I don't know if I could properly explain it in such a well way that you will understand it. Essentially, the Champions League is where champions play, except for when they don't, and then the Concacaf Championship. Is where everybody else plays. That is the whole. I don't. I'm moving on. I'm just. I just got to move on. If I can explain it better in a later episode, I will. I will try my best to explain it. But I don't know if I can. So let's just move the. Let's move on. Basketball is a growing sport in um. In Jamaica, uh, the most popular Jamaican player or Jamaican-born player of all time, is Patrick Ewing. Um, you might know Patrick Ewing. Uh, he was a three-time All-American, uh, two-time Big East Player of the Year, four-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he won a championship as well. I think in 85? 85 sounds about right. Uh, he was Rookie of the Year in 86, and then he did had 11 All-Stars. He was an all-time first team in 1990. That's actually kind of a surprise. He was only a one-time uh, NBA All-First Team, and then uh, 
he did a whole six uh, all NBA second teams. Um, he was a second teamer of the all defensive club. Uh, yeah, he's actually now the head coach of Georgetown, who won the Big East tournament last year. So, yeah, good, uh, good on him. Good on him. Netball is essentially the most popular sport among Jamaican women. It's the most popular women's sport in Jamaica, mind you. The national netball team, sometimes known as the Sunball, the such, the Sunshine Girls. That's actually really, I love that. That's actually like a really, I don't know exactly why. I I don't know if it's just because like, oh, it's like such a cutesy name or like, I don't know, like it's such a well-fitting name for their team. It's like the sun, like Jamaica, the word the sun doesn't really set, I guess. That's my guess for that. Uh, but they've participated in netball world championships every year since their inception, inception rather, in 1963, finishing third in 91, 03, and 07. And the Commonwealth Games, which is essentially like the big tournament between former countries of the British Empire, they've earned bronze in 2002, 2014, and 2018. And netball, for those of you who uh, might be kind of curious, to make it very short and very brief, think of basketball, but you can't dribble and you don't have a backboard. So there you go. That is essentially uh, netball. Uh, for the first time this year, I don't know if I don't think the, the uh, U19 World Lacrosse team um, is half has happened yet, but they are featuring a team um, for that. Mixed martial arts is. Also kind of growing in popularity in Jamaica just due to uh, Uriah Hall, Randy Brown, and Leon Edwards in the UFC. They are all Jamaican-born. Uh, Uriah Hall is actually like the one that I actually know because I remember seeing this on uh, on Sports Center. Uh, he is the only fighter ever to win a match without throwing a single strike. Uh, Chris Weidman was his opponent. He he broke his leg somehow. I, I kind of remember how it happened. I kind of remember how it happens. I believe he threw a kick and it was he blocked it. Or like a Hall blocked it. And it did something to his leg and like he just fell. I certain I just don't remember exactly what happened, but I do kind of remember that like it was essentially like Weidman was the one who initiated the contact, and then, like, something happened. I don't know if he, like, tried to jump and kick, or, like, if he was, like, kicking and it was blocked, and then, uh, he fell to the ground, like, right after that. But that was in, uh, 261. Um, they also like rugby. Uh, again, probably because of those British ties. In terms of rugby league, and they also do rugby union, I could kind of explain it, but we just don't have that kind of time. We're actually going to be running a bit over uh, by the time I actually finish. So, uh, but rugby league has been played in Jamaica since '06. Um, the, their rugby league or their team, their national team, gosh, uh, is made of players who play in Jamaica and or are from the UK. Um, in 2018, they actually qualified. For the Rugby League World Cup, they defeated 
us, the United States, and Canada. And then they will play. They played in the 2021 uh, Rugby World Cup in London. And then their rugby union team, not their rugby league, but their rugby union team is currently ranked 66 in the world by the rugby or the International Rugby League boards or rugby union boards. I don't know. Or I know, but you you know, you you know you know. Um. Ah, so the rugby league, uh, rugby rugby league World Cup that was supposed to happen in twenty twenty one got pushed back to November of this year. So you'll definitely be hearing uh some news, hopefully on this show about the. <laughs> Rugby World Cup. Um, hopefully, I will be here to talk about it. That's what my hope is. And with that, that is today's episode uh, of World Sport Roundabout. Thank you guys so much for listening in. I'm very appreciative of everything you guys, uh, of everything you guys have done. I, I say that like you guys really have done like a bunch of heavy lifting of the show, and you guys have because I mean. Without you guys lis- listening in and stuff like that, uh, who knows if I would actually get a show. Probably be still doing Sports Flash and stuff like that. Which, speaking of which, I'm really glad Jalen came by. Uh, yeah, last, uh, last, last Monday? Last Monday, yeah. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to do the show together today. Um, if not, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be me or it'll be Jalen uh, featuring here today. But uh, tune in for Sports Flash at 4 and tune in for this show, episode seven, uh, with the last day in February. But I will see you guys later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.